1: I get the feeling you're doing me a really big favor.
0: Because I get the feeling that you really deserve it.
1: I know I'm the girl with the broken wing, but who are you? (laughs) I don't want to talk about me. That's too bad, because you're very interesting. That's not a part of the deal. Why is she under the impression your
0: name is Ben? You better leave me alone. You can't play with people's lives. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that dyes our hair white for undetermined but possibly cult-related reasons. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for one reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, senior writer for Decider.com, Joe Reed. I am here, as always, with my co-host, entertainment writer Chris File. Hello, Chris. Hello,
1: Joe. How are you? I'm good. I'm here with my autopsy scalpel and some other, like, C-related medical tools. I'm going to have a long
0: conversation with you that is here to determine whether you are worthy of uh, having good things happen to you
1: in your life and... Part of that will be You're going to berate me. I'm going to
0: berate you and make sure that you don't react poorly to me.
1: Yeah, you have to find my worth through you treating me like garbage. Well,
0: how else would I find your
1: worth, truly?
0: Um, Listeners,
1: welcome to our friendship and welcome to the movie we're talking about this week. <laughs> what if I was
0: like, oh, should we, record? should we start recording now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's start the show.
0: This week, of course, we are talking about a rather notorious movie given its... Present day reputation, you might be surprised to hear that it ever had any Oscar buzz at all, but trust us, it did. It was uh, anticipated reteaming of an Oscar nominated actor with the filmmaker who directed his last nomination, last ever nomination, right? We haven't gotten anything else from this actor. We all thought it would be this sort of assault on our heartstrings like the previous movie was, and it turned out to be just an assault in yeah. so many ways. This movie uh, does violence to us. Yeah, I am talking about the 2008 film about Will Smith, Deep Regret, Internal Organs and Jellyfish. This week we are going to talk about 7, Seven
1: Pounds. 7 and as Pounds. As you mentioned, it's like people are like who aren't familiar or weren't like paying attention when the movie came out. Yes, this movie absolutely had Oscar buzz. We get that it's a punchline now, but trust us, we were yeah. there. Um, of Will Smith.
0: It always makes me think of twenty one Grams because of the title, because uh both of them were titles that tried to get a lot of portent out of um like
1: What's the word I'm looking for? I feel so fucking like body metaphor basically. Yeah. No, so I, I I like my jaw dropped when you just said that because the whole time I was thinking, okay, so 7 pounds is the amount of weight that a body loses when they die, right? When's this going to come into the plot? And no, that's not the plot of 7 pounds, it's the plot of 21 grams. Or it was like the tagline for 21 grams. And yet 21 grams also deals with a lot of this like
0: deep like horrible regret over terrible things that someone's done and can you ever make up for it and yada 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 so like really there is a lot of overlap and they're both very overwrought and i think 21 grams deals with it in a way where it's just like oh we're going to chop up our narrative into incomprehensible pieces and then sort of sew it back up together again And Seven Pounds is like, we're going to chop up our protagonist into incomprehensible pieces and then never sew it back up together again.
1: So, And we'll get into it, but Seven Pounds kind of relies on the conceit of not giving the audience any information about what is actually going on to the point that it is very confusing sometimes and you think you're just watching some character study and then at the end it reveals kind of what it is but it feels like a cop-out. Like, if they had told us that this was what the movie we were signing up for, no one would show up. Like, it almost knows, like, right. well, we can't tell the audience this information it's because so no one wants to fucking see that movie.
0: It's so dependent on hiding what it's really about, and yet it wants you to be so fucking blown away by what it's about once it reveals it. Yeah, that yeah, it feels... yeah, 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 yeah. All right, uh, before we get started, for anybody who's listening who may not have seen the movie yet, and God damn it, why wouldn't you have...
1: Yeah, we've sold it so well. We sold
0: it so well. Why don't you do our traditional 60-second plot description as I
1: vamp while I tr- turn on I my shall. phone? I shall, which I mean, caveat if you are one of those listeners who like wants to watch the movie after we talk about it for some reason. I don't know why you would it's do been that with 10 years, of the movie. Honestly, it has like... been 10 years. There's been a lot of punchlines about this movie. So, yeah, we'll get into like what the movie actually is because how can you even I like I want to go back and like look deeper at the marketing campaign because it's like how could you even how did they even sell this movie It was
0: a lot of Will Smith running in the rain as far as I
1: remember in terms yeah. of marketing this movie and just like sadness and crying and like that's all they sold you on which like we'll get into the Will Smith of it all but like well, you he can was totally...
0: so bankable back then that you could really just like put him in front give of them
1: give the audience nothing and yeah no they're gonna show up because we love will smith and just be like um,
0: from the director of the pursuit of happiness and people
1: have been like all right i'm there yeah we're there um right. so yeah i will do my 60 second plot challenge whenever you give me my time all
0: right i have my clock here ready
1: and go Okay, so Will Smith stars as somebody who may or may not be named Ben. He's a jellyfish fetishist, and he's, like, a curmudgeonly do-gooder of sorts, and he may or may not be an IRS agent. He, like, may or may not have gone through some type of trauma that may or may not have something to do with what we may or may not be seeing because, like, time and space is relative in this movie. Um, Along the way, he harasses a blind-wigged Woody Harrelson, and he falls in love with a woman with a heart condition named Emily played by the forever flawless um, Rosario Dawson Um, very little of this movie makes sense until the final reel reveals that spoiler alert, texting while driving is the culprit for all of Ben's suffering um, and the audiences Uh, Ben was on his Blackberry during a car accident that killed his wife and a handful of six people and now he is trying to save seven lives with various body parts of his own, um, ending with a fateful dance with a jellyfish do I have more time? Oh, I I got all of it in You there. got it with a
0: couple seconds to spare, my friend. Very good. Yeah.
1: I mean, just like the movie. I got the plot in at the very last <laughs> the second very last what second. this movie actually is.
0: I mean, this is a movie that opens with Will Smith's character calling 911 and saying, I'd like to report a suicide. And the operator says, who's the victim? And he says... I am so like we know something yeah. is amiss, and we know yeah, that we like know we're... we're
1: supposed to be piecing it together, and, and we're
0: getting these flashes of him with this like beautiful woman who is his girlfriend slash fiance, and like we know that that is not the case in the current timeline. But also, for the most part, he's in this present timeline where he seems to vacillate between being a jerk and being sort of intensely sneaky. In in his sort of snooping into the lives of other people, and so we're supposed to figure out why that is and what's going on, and is it because he's an IRS agent? Which like no,
1: or is he a murderer? Like
0: right, he's I guess the full yeah,
1: psychopath in this movie. Yes, like only he Will Smith could pull people. this off and make us watch this because this character is like crazy.
0: It's a crazy he's... person, and the the the. The sort of through line for all the people who he's whose lives he's intervening in seems to be illness or disability or hardship and so it's so like here's where i can tell you exactly where this movie lost me which was the thing we were talking about earlier about he calls up woody harrelson woody harrelson plays this like phone operator, customer service guy for a, for meat, a meat company. A meat wholesaler or something. And Will Smith is playing as a dissatisfied customer of meat. Um and really sort of berating Woody Harrelson's character. Woody Harrelson's character is blind, which Will Smith's character Figures out, and I put that in like scare quotes, like figures out because we find out later that he knew it all along um that this guy is blind, and so like really incomprehensibly starts like berating him for being blind and thus being a virgin and thus being like pathetic and it's and so through this all, woody Harrelson's character. Is taking it and sort of like trying to get back on track to like, but sir, about your meat, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> is there finally, anything I can
1: help you with with your meat issues today.
0: And then finally, after like five minutes of Will Smith being like, "You stupid blind virgin,"
1: like, <laughs> and Woody Harrelson essentially just responding with, "Sure, sir, are you okay? Right, Do you exactly. Talk about like, is, it, it? is like, everything
0: okay? Is this about the shanks? Like, what's going on?" And finally, Woody Harrelson hangs up. And so immediately I'm like, whatever the hell is going on, I don't like this. I don't like being asked to find this amusing or intriguing or in any way. And of course, once you find out later that what Will Smith is doing, which he like says, he like calls, that's the only time you see this Woody Harrelson character, Ezra, until the end of the movie. And once you find out what Will Smith is doing and he calls Ezra again and he's like, I'm sorry I had to do that. I had to find out if you were uh if you a were good quick person, to anger essentially. Yeah, yeah, like that was he had to find out if he was a good person. He had to find out if you know, he would have snapped at him, which first of all berating a customer service rep is not going to help you in this regard because they're not supposed to snap at you because it's their job. Yeah. To, like that's not that's that's a terrible way to find out if somebody's a good person. Like Jesus Christ. Like it's It's so bad. In fact, I would say it's actually probably a worse sign if you do berate somebody who's a customer service rep who doesn't respond with human, like, anger or, like, snap at you. If they, like, fully take it and are like, yes, sir, like, fine, sir, maybe that's more of an indication that you're dealing with somebody who's possibly psychotic. I don't know. Like, there's a really, really bad precedent being set here by stupid Will Smith.
1: Well, and it also kind of just underlines that this movie only believes in capital G good people and capital B bad people. Yes. So it's like there's no degree of but, humanity where it's like he could have cussed you out because he would have been right to do it even though he's at his job. But like spends the rest of his free time, you know, taking care of injured puppies and children. And you know? goodness like,
0: goodness seems to be interpreted as suffering. As yes. su- suffering nobly or suffering... Without, like, becoming a mean person.
1: Like... Yeah. It's weird, man. It is... As he has, because, like, his whole journey is he has suffered and it's been his fault and he has become a bitter person. Right. But, like, he becomes a good person by, like, siphoning off his organs to people at the end of the movie. Okay, so... Uh, I just to posit this question Yes. how much better of a movie do we think it would be if it removed that plot device from the end and we knew all along what he was doing I well, would argue that it wouldn't it could improve the movie because it just makes it it just puts this ludicrous button at the end of it where it's just like you kind of at that point are throwing your hands in the air with it but you'd I have still to make think this is not a tough movie to though. buy yeah yeah like, it would have to be
0: a totally different tone of the movie. It would have to be, like, almost disturbing and
1: almost like like a, a half-horror movie. And, like, a comment on these type of movies where it's, like, sacrificial accent, actions that are, like, so divorced from reality right. and Sanity that are, like, praised in these type of movies. Like, you would almost have to be commenting on how we look to that type of story to feel good, I guess, and So be like, no, this is bad. <laughs> here's the other thing
0: that I find sort of interesting is this was around about the time that Will Smith, the sort of public persona, had become at least tangentially related to Scientology or questions about Scientology, right? There was flirtations. He's never actually been a Scientologist, but there were lots of questions about rumors about Tom Cruise and whether Tom Cruise was sort of courting Will Smith towards Scientology and whether Scientology saw Will Smith as their next great kind of celebrity ambassador because
1: Scientology really... It's into that kind of thing. And this none of film that... is even further tied to that because Tom Cruise's son plays young Will Smith in the movie. That is true. That
0: is a good point. Um, but I feel like a movie like this, which seems to espouse a very specific worldview that is, you know, talking about morality in these very particular ways. And I don't think this is a movie that is saying, that is like telling people to go, you know, cut themselves up to atone for the terrible things that they've done. But this feels like one of those parables that you would hear in like a shady self-help seminar where people talk about like, you know, the kinds of ways you need to live your life and the kinds of people who are worthy of you know, miraculous good things happening to them. And it all feels very amorphous, but also very much like you're being lectured by somebody who has very strange ideas about what makes people good and bad and what like role things like sacrifice should be playing in your life. And at the end, I really felt like Will Smith and the director, Gabriel Machino um, wanted to like hand me a pamphlet after, do you know what I mean? And like, invite me to a meeting.
1: And... Definitely. And I think that that is not uncommon in... I think it's well-intended, but I think that that is not that uncommon in the films of Will Smith. Well, that's what I, I mean. Think Especially now, we is... were sort of
0: figuring that out.
1: Well, and I think at the time, we didn't look <gasps> at it with good intentions, and I think... He kind of does, and I think he might be the type of performer that is taken by things that are, like, gotchas in movies, like twists and surprises, and doesn't actually think about the implications of the narrative, and I think he likes to surprise audiences in that way, but at the time, like you were mentioning, it made us a little suspicious of this material, once we actually realized what it was, because the other thing is, like, I don't think twist or no twist or like the plot reveal or no I don't think that this movie goes over very well with the public who is duped into watching this movie and what it's about like yeah well I think that doesn't set the movie up for success for people to not know that it's about sacrificial suicide
0: right well and so like Will Smith talked a lot at the time about why he wanted to do this movie and sort of his his um, motivation for doing this movie and it was a lot of, like, he's a very thoughtful person in terms of, like, picking out his projects, right? And so when he picked this out, he really wanted to, like, make a movie about male regret and male grief. grief and, you know, the ways that men sort of are and are not equipped to sort of deal with it. And it all sounds very much like if I had heard that interview ahead of time I'd be like, wow, this is really interesting and I'm You know, before this movie had existed, I would have been like, Will Smith's an interesting character, you know, an interesting person to make this movie because he was so incredibly popular and bankable at the time. And he could draw, like, these really mainstream audiences into a movie that is about, you know, men dealing with extreme emotions in ways that aren't like, I'm going to, like, fight my way through this with a gun or whatever.
1: Right. I mean, I definitely want to see that movie from Will Smith, but this is not that movie. No,
0: not at all. No, in fact, it's like he's not, you know, taking down a bus full of terrorists to deal with his grief. But what he is doing is, like, attacking his body in a way that, like, it still feels very much like man who doesn't know how to deal with his emotions so he's just like here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give you my lung and i'm gonna give you my kidney and i'm gonna give you my heart and i'm gonna give you my eyes and is and that my enough? bone marrow is that enough yeah. like can i now yeah. like be rid of this guilt and grief and it's still, and I get that, like, on some level, it's supposed to be metaphorical. It's supposed to be one man literally, like, because it's the, the Merchant of Venice uh, saying, come to life, right? The pound yeah. of flesh. That's what the title means seven pounds, it's seven pounds of flesh. And it's like, oh, well, we'll people. make that literal. And But it still feels like somebody who doesn't know how to deal with grief, sort of taking it to the most extreme end. And, and the movie is asking you to be like, Think about that for a second. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. Jesus Christ, it's horrifying.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. And, well, okay. And I will argue, too, much in the way that I still argue that, like, Will Smith, disaster movies, um, Collateral Beauty, like, in the hands of, like, David O. Russell, who, like, knows that the movie is crazy and absurd and, like, takes that to its full capacity and actually, like, talks about these themes. Like, I want to see that version of it. Like, I want to see... The version of this movie and whoever the filmmaker is that makes it that is actually about all of those things of male grief and that, like, men can't deal with their shit enough that they're willing to, like, just destroy their own body to, like, right sacrifice themselves in some performative way. I want to see that version. I don't think this director, Gabriel Muccino, is that director at all. So I'm glad you brought
0: up Collateral Beauty, just in general, because I'm always glad when you bring up Collateral Beauty, which is often. Don't forget
1: to notice it. It's all around you. It's all around
0: us. Um, But I I looked into sort of the origins of this movie, and the screenwriter is very interesting, because the screenwriter's name is Grant Neaporte, and as far as I can tell, this is maybe the only movie he's ever written that's been made. Like he's got a couple things that right now are in some kind of a pipeline but as of right now that we're talking about this this is the only movie he's ever written that's ever been made which and then he he told the story at the time when the movie was being uh, released about how the impetus to write this movie was he was at a cocktail party and he struck up a conversation with a stranger and he like describes this stranger as like being in a leather coat and had a ponytail and really like stood out from the crowd and didn 't really fit in and he had this conversation with him and and uh, uh doesn 't really get into the specifics of the conversation, but just says like as I was talking to him, I realized that he was like profoundly weighed down with grief and remorse and yada yada, and that he was he mentioned i think the phrase he used was like that was the saddest person I ever met in my life, which always makes me think of. Penelope Cruz in Vanilla Sky about like
1: I can really only picture this this stranger this man being Steven Seagal.
0: Okay, yes, because leather jacket
1: and <laughs> ponytail, of course, and sadness and just generalized sadness. But
0: also, it also makes me wonder if like this person was the human embodiment of the concept of grief and regret. <laughs> Much like (laughs) Like in Collateral Beauty and was sent to this screenwriter who, again, had never written any movies to eventually
1: like get into the full collateral beauty of it all. But like I I do have to say, as somebody who is like obsessed with collateral beauty, seven pounds is worse because it's really hard to laugh at seven pounds. It is true.
0: And it's and it's a lot of that so is morose. once Rosario Dawson's character gets introduced because all you're thinking of is like she didn't ask for this.
1: <laughs> like yeah, she's
0: like gaslit. Yeah, basically. And like she, yes, she ends up with like a heart transplant at the end so she gets to live, but like holy shit, she really had to be put through
1: some like fucking machinations, mm-hmm. man. Like mental ringer and like if we can take it back to Will Smith for a little bit because I think like this it just is a testament to what a movie star is what a beloved movie star is how much we like him that we can stomach this movie when he is leading it because i don't i can't think of anybody else that we would just like sit down to this like grief pile for and just i mean accept it even though it's bad like I'm pretty borderline as it is like I can only kind of take it like because it's well exactly but like you fully would be out the door with anyone else. Because once
0: again the whole point of the movie once you unkink the hose and stretch it all out beginning to end is there's this guy who killed a bunch of people in a car accident because he was texting while he was driving on his flip phone.
1: Which And it was a Blackberry.
0: <laughs> oh, it that was on his Blackberry, right. He's on a flip phone later in the movie.
1: You date the movie less if he's on a flip phone.
0: No, he is on a flip phone later in the movie, but you're right in the accident he was on a Blackberry. That was he would never use a Blackberry after that. He was too traumatized by Blackberries. <laughs> um but um so then he's so traumatized by that, then he decides he's going to start Donating his internal organs one by one until he can no longer live, at which point he will donate his heart and eyes and he'll be done. But the interim for all of this is he is going to seek out these people and like insinuate himself into their lives for the purpose of essentially spying on them to make sure that they are good and worthy enough to receive his organs, which is. Fucked up morally,
1: especially because he's also under an assumed identity. He's not even being himself. Like, and he's and the movie. So, and, like, they couldn't find him. They couldn't right. track him down to make sure that. And it's not just says that says this
0: is. character is morally fucked up, and the the movie fully endorses this idea of like, well, you got to give your organs to good people. You can't just give your organs to bad people. Yeah. And it's like that's not what organ donation is, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you give it Pay to your whoever penance, however it. you can. Yeah. Like, that's that's morality. That's the real morality of it. It's just like, if you're so convinced that you have fucked up so bad that you need to do this to atone, first of all, that's fucked up and, you know, suicide is a whole serious issue that, like, whatever. But also, if you're going to get to that point, you don't get to be, you know, you don't get to play God in this way. And that's where it feels culty to me. But yeah. So should we talk about why this had Oscar buzz to begin with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to Will Smith. I think Um, it's pretty
0: much entirely Will Smith.
1: And the era that this movie is for Will Smith, where he was doing these more serious dramas coming in at the fall season. Um, Granted, I mean, the two that he had success with, the nominations that he got, were for Ali and The Pursuit of Happiness. But there were others as well, in addition to Seven Pounds, that could have given us some uh, leeway, like The Legend of Bagger Vance looms large as far as a real belly flop in terms of Oscar and box office.
0: Yeah, he was definitely going for it in that movie. Yeah. Um, he also... And it was
1: also like, he's was one of the biggest movie stars in the world. He was one of the most bankable in, like, before Seven Pounds in the previous decade, the only movies he made that weren't $100 million grocers were Ali and Bagger Vance. And um, so it's also like when you have somebody of his caliber and his level they eventually become due right so it's yeah it's like you're looking for the opportunities to award them or at least the academy would
0: be not to keep comparing him to Tom Cruise but it does feel like it's a similar argument there which is he's made you all, you people so much money like the least you could do is give him an academy award
1: And he's also incredibly talented, too. And he's incredibly incredibly talented. He's incredibly
0: charismatic. And, like, that's his whole brand is, like, charisma and likability. And, like, nobody for – there was a while there were like, nobody didn't like Will Smith.
1: Exactly. Well, and he made the type of movies that Oscar is never going to award, even though he can do things that nobody else is doing right. in terms of, like, likeability, watchability, like, people line up for his movies. He's incredibly funny.
0: Music times. Nobody, nobody could have gotten he, away with Wild Wild West. Are you fucking kidding me? Like,
1: And he came out of that unscathed, even though it had all the reviews that it had, and it made a shit ton of money. Um. God justice for the willennium
0: <laughs> just in general we're still justice living in the willennium aren't we like i feel like we are
1: it's always the willennium we've got a long I way to will go smith. to, to I, trudge I through this millennium. Be, as much as i shit on his bad movies like this and collateral beauty like i will always line up to defend will smith and i think that that's a widespread opinion and like Uh, There was a time where we we thought that his Oscar would be an inevitability. Yeah. And now we're not so sure. So, like, but I would argue, even if he comes back with another collateral beauty type drama, when it is, when we see it coming, we're going to at least have it in mind for Oscar. Like, I don't think there's something about him that is undiminishable, and that, like, I think he's going to be making movies. He'll, he'll have the, like, misses that happen like focus is a few years ago and it didn't make any money but like he's always gonna be making movies that make money he's loved that much I I, I agree but I also feel like he can't keep
0: making seven pounds and collateral beauty without us finally being like all right I remember I remember you I remember the last time you tried to do metaphysical feel goodery like I'm not you know fool me twice. Shame on me at this point.
1: And the problem here with seven pounds is it he feels closer tied to this movie than he does to collateral beauty. At least to me, Um, like collateral beauty, I think exists because of his star power getting it funded, but it doesn't. There's a lot of other stars there to to shoulder that burden. I get it. That's that's really an ensemble movie. Like this movie, kind of falls on his shoulders. Yeah, oh, this and it movie definitely, definitely is does. tied to like the era of his Oscar trajectory, right?
0: Well, so I want to talk about his two Oscar nominations for a second, because that is the reason that Seven Pounds had any Oscar buzz at all. It was not only that it was Will Smith, two-time Oscar nominee, but it was Will Smith teaming up with his director from The Pursuit of Happiness, which... so. It's interesting to me, first of all, he's two Oscar nominations uh, for Best Actor, 2001 for Ali, 2006 for Pursuit of Happiness. He loses both of those times to another black actor, which I'm pretty sure is like the only, he's the only person to have done that, right? Um, Which I think is interesting because Oscar has such a sad and bad history with rewarding actors of color. And you have Will Smith, who is the most profitable actor of color out there. And you would think if the Oscars were to sort of stop and think about that, they would sort of connect A to B. And it's interesting to me that he, in a very not that different parallel universe, he wins one or the other of those Oscars. I would say pretty easily. I think in 2001, it felt a little arbitrary that we sort of settled on denzel washington and training day as the alternative to russell Crowe winning twice because we had sort of fallen out of love with russell Crowe pretty quickly
1: over the course of like a year well that was also the year of the phone that's what i mean yeah
0: that like there were a lot of things that sort of piled on and also the meg ryan stuff and just in general he seemed like a Grumpy asshole, and nobody was really all that that excited about giving him a second Academy Award for Beautiful Mind, even though in a Two vacuum, years in a row.
1: what's that? Two years in a row.
0: That's what I mean, and and that um, in a vacuum, you would think like the lead of a movie like A Beautiful Mind would have won easily, and I think it is true. It would that person would have, if not for the specific circumstances? And so, yeah. it felt a little bit like the Academy was looking to find somebody else and then the narrative when i say that there was a narrative in 2001 that like no black leading man had won since sydney Poitier no black actress best actress had won at all and it all sort of converged that year with Denzel Washington and Halle Berry i'm not saying that those two performances didn't weren't good enough to win oscars i'm just saying that like the narrative was there and that's just that it's true.
1: It was. Denzel Washington also had the benefit of like playing against type, and then it became a hit. I think, I think in a different world where Ali was better received, the movie itself, Will Smith, would have had a better chance. Um, because people didn't really like that movie. I guess. I went
0: back and watched it several years later. I didn't watch it that year, but I watched it several years later. I think it's a really good movie and I think he is very, very good in it and doing all of the things that you ask of a major box office star who steps out of his persona to go for an award, which is that like, he really does transform his aura to play Muhammad Ali in this movie. Uh And I think he's incredibly good at it. And I think like it would not take a whole lot of nudging to have created a campaign for Will Smith for this movie that would have been successful. And I think 2006, that's sort of similar. With like 2006, Forrest Whitaker's great in Last King of Scotland, but nobody remembers that movie now. And it seems sort of like odd and arbitrary that that was the performance that sort of floated to the top and kind of swept everything. And meantime, there's Will Smith again, the most popular actor in the world playing this aggressively inspirational character in this aggressively (laughs) inspirational movie that i don't really love that much but was hugely popular and again we've seen that work for other people and it's surprising to me that it didn't work for will smith that year either and so that's just sort of what i mean about like i think he very easily could have won either one of those. And it's sort of surprising to me that he had that he didn't.
1: Well, and Forrest Whitaker was kind of this steamrolling thing that was just like this freight train, this giant snowball that once it got momentum, it was nothing was gonna stop that. What's more interesting to me is that Will Smith has never been That's yeah in that type of situation. Whereas like Ali, you're right, does feel like the one that really could have happened.
0: Like, that's his Capote, right? Like, that's his...
1: Well, and you mentioned watching it later, after the fact, several years later, and enjoying the movie, and that's what I've come across, at least when you see people discussing it, is if they watch it outside of the vacuum of 2001, people liked it a lot more.
0: But even at the time, like, John Voight was nominated for playing Cosell, it's not like it wasn't loved or it wasn't appreciated by the Academy. I guess maybe the line between appreciation and loved is the difference there. But right. I don't know. I like, I guess I look back. Well, and I you're don't talking see... about
1: just acting nominations and you have transformations going on. People give it different considerations than they would give yeah. to the movie itself.
0: I just feel like Denzel Washington got a lot of benefit of the doubt for playing a very shouty character. And I don't think Will Smith got the kind of consideration he should have gotten for Playing Ali the way he played him.
1: I would probably agree. I mean, I I don't know if I agree with the notes on Denzel Washington's performance, because I like that performance and I still defend it, but I know a lot of people are like, eh, about that in hindsight.
0: It's not my favorite movie. It's not my favorite genre of movie, but, like, I get it. It's not my favorite movie, but I love the performance. Um, and so we also have, then, swept up in this Oscar buzz, I want to talk about Rosario Dawson here, because... She's never been Oscar-nominated. She's never come close, I would say, to being Oscar-nominated. And yet, I feel like there are deep reserves of good feeling for her
1: as an actress. And I feel like the second she gets that role, her nomination is happening. Because, like you said, there's deep reserves of affection for her. She's never really out in front. She's also worked with everybody. I think it all comes down to opportunity. So I want to tell this story. I was... At this
0: time when this movie came out, I don't think this was the movie that occasioned this conversation, but around this time, my roommate at the time and I had gotten into a little bit of a sort of debate, not argument, but sort of just like, you know, debate about Rosario Dawson and how... I think I made an idle comment about like, oh, she's obviously going to like get an Oscar nomination one day soon. And my roommate at the time was like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know where those roles are coming from. I don't know if she's the slam dunk that you think she is. And we made a $20 bet that within five years she would be Oscar nominated or... I think I also put in a caveat of, like, the star of a $100 million movie. And that, of course, never happened either. Um,
1: Unless you count Lego Batman. Well, no, wait. That didn't make $100 million And it
0: certainly wasn't within five years. Yeah. and I think I, that was the thing that reminded me of just like, wow, five years is not a very long time in Hollywood. I think no. maybe in my younger days, I thought time operated more kindly and it does not. Um, five years goes by very quickly. and it's sort, But it really hit home for me that like, wow, an actress like Rosario Dawson, as young and talented and likable and charismatic and beautiful and everything else we can put in her column, still only gets so many chances. And really, I would argue that Rosario Dawson has never been given the true chance to
1: get an Oscar-worthy role. And that is a fucking bummer. It is a real bummer. Because how... I mean, and she's still working. She works her ass off. She <laughs> she yeah. always has like a million things in a single year, some of which you may never see or get the chance to because she does a lot of smaller things. But she's consistently, unfortunately, easily the best part of bad movies. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I mean, sometimes she does things that, like, she is just out of this world great that, like, nobody sees or, like, there might be issues. Like, did you see Danny Boyle's Trance? I was
0: just about to mention Trance. Yeah, she's really that
1: good movie. <laughs> that movie is, like, fairly problematic, but, like, incredibly watchable. And she like is tasked with just outright absurdity and is amazing the the movie hinges on her character like willingly like doing like body grooming oh my god in yes. order for the movie to hinge on like oh and right. like she makes it yeah. like like packed with pathos um I mean, there's also Rent as well, which Rent is probably the closest that she ever got to any type of recognition. For okay. that. I definitely think she deserved more than she got. Here's what I will and say again, about part the of a movie, movie
0: version of Rent. And this gets me in trouble with people a lot. I love Rosario Dawson in the movie version of Rent, and I think I prefer her on the Rent movie soundtrack to, like, her out tonight I will listen to before I will listen to Daphne Rubin-Vegas. I am sorry. Same. But that is just
1: how it goes. You can yell at both of us. It's fine. I think both of Rosario the... Dawson can also friggin' sing. Like, give her another musical. I. Oh my god, absolutely. But like, oh my god,
0: put her in fucking cats. Even though like I know cats is gonna be terrible, but like put her in fucking yeah. cats. Um, I think both of the Rent recasts end up being really, really strong. I think Tracy Thompson is fantastic as Joanne. And yeah, I. The Rent movie is is justifiably put down, but I will say if you didn't have all of the baggage of having seen Rent on Broadway and having grown up with the cast recording, which was me, I came to Rent very late, Rent is not as bad as the reputation that it gets. I think a lot of people really were like rending their garments over Rent when it became a movie because it's very sort of this flat presentation of this musical. But it also is like it also kind of shines a little light in a way that like movie versions of musicals do to the ridiculousnesses of a production that you don't ever linger on when you're seeing it live because it's so much fun to be wrapped up in a live musical. And so I think there's a lot of ways in which that movie was received more horrifyingly than (laughs) it probably
1: should have been. And I think we could safely do a whole episode on Rent at some point. We
0: probably could, but like full justice for Rosario Dawson, she's fantastic. Honestly,
1: I'm gonna pause it. A question for you because I'm curious to hear what your answer is. Yeah, because we've we've talked about already how Seven Pounds, especially in its trajectory towards Oscar, was put all on the shoulders of Will Smith. It was a Will Smith vehicle. If there was a little bit more room for the movie or at least like we were considering the movie and not just Will Smith if it wasn't just his face on the poster, Uh do you think Rosario, Rosario Dawson could have had any type of leeway in the Best Supporting Actress race?
0: Well, okay, so 2008 Best Supporting Actress is a very interesting year when you talk about that category because that was the year that Kate Winslet was winning everything and when I mean everything I mean lead and supporting trophies for Revolutionary Road and The Reader she was for most of that season campaigned as lead in Revolutionary Road and supporting in The Reader and neither one of those two campaigns would like get on board with the
1: other one and and then when she wasn't winning supporting notices it was all Penelope Cruz for the most part and a little Viola Davis when you're talking about like critic stuff and whatever Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But going into Oscar nomination morning, there was no indication that it wasn't going to keep being like that. And it was a very big surprise when Winslet ends up in Best Actress for The Reader, which she had been in supporting for the most of that year and not nominated at all, obviously, for Revolutionary Road. So have I told you my pet theory about this? No. If you know me and you're listening, like you've heard this before, but whatever, I'm just going to say it again. So, my theory. There's so
1: many big stories about this Oscar year, and Kate Winslet is the one we should dive into right now. Okay.
0: So, my theory is that Kate Winslet got enough votes that year to have been nominated in both lead and supporting for The Reader.
1: I definitely agree with you.
0: That she was, that if you had looked at actual vote totals, you would have seen Kate Winslet in the top five of best actress twice. And you would have seen Kate Winslet in the top five supporting actress once, both lead and supporting for the reader. I think she was that popular. I think that was there was that much going on. And then so you have Oscar bylaws that say you can't be nominated twice in the same category for, you know, different performances. So the reader... And you
1: can't be nominated in both categories for the same performance. Right. So it goes to whatever has the most votes. Right.
0: So the Re- Revolutionary Road gets bumped out of Best Actress because she got more votes for the reader than she did for Revolutionary Road. And then the reader gets bumped out of Supporting because you can't be nominated in two categories. So I think that's... I think it's not so much that people didn't like her Revolutionary Road performance. I think it's that... She just got so many votes across the board. That is my. I yep. think if you ever like got a chance to look at the vote totals, which is my personal Valhalla. Like that is my <laughs> like. That's that's what's going to happen to me when I die. Is I'm going to just drift off into a land where I imagine I can see all the uh, Oscar
1: vote totals. I want to see it if it's based off of, like, whose ballot am I looking at? Because the thing that all, like has never left my mind, I remember it was like an interview in, I think, Entertainment Weekly. I remember Jamie Lee Curtis saying that she voted for John Heater in Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> on her best actor ballot. Wait, what re- year I I will that have I will never been- forget this.
0: Like, 03? Oh, uh,
1: yes. Okay,
0: that's wild. That's really something. So That's what I want to see. So all of a sudden then you ended up with a supporting actress category where the frontrunner is just gone, which is very interesting. And so like you said, Penelope Cruz was getting a lot of attention. Viola Davis for Doubt, Amy Adams for Doubt, Taraji P. Henson for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Marissa Tomei for The Wrestler. So basically a category that had been six actresses and one of them was going to get left off ended up just like, everybody's in because Kate moved up to actress and everybody else got in. So... I think that's a pretty tight five right there. Cruz Adams, yes.
1: Viola, Taraji, Marissa Tomei. Amy Adams was maybe a small surprise at the time because we at the time thought that Viola Davis took all the energy out of that conversation because that performance is so incredible and it has like the like it blindsides you in five minutes. But knowing factor, how much the Academy
0: really genuine, genuinely likes loves, Amy yeah.
1: Adams, then like yeah.
0: It's not very surprising. Um, I think probably the one who gets left out if Winslet is in supporting is probably Marissa Tomei, which is a bummer because she's so great as even with like I haven't seen the wrestler since probably back then. I remember really loving it back then, but I bet you if I watched it again, I would be a little bit bummed out at the nature of her role being such like oh, she's the like supportive stripper.
1: Oh, yeah. Everything about that performance is what she's doing. None of it is on the page. Yeah. Um, yes. Because I've seen it semi-recently. And yes, very that, but she's incredible in it. To Rosario Dawson in Seven Pounds of it all, like, yes, you could very easily say that the movie would have had to have been much better received for her to have gotten that type of headway. But I also think... It's not even just an Oscar thing. It's how like Will Smith is like the cloud over the movie because like you don't really see her that much in the reviews for the movie right. being mentioned even though she's doing really good work and She's just again, sort of it...
0: she's doing that heart patient thing. And I don't know what actress or actor ruined heart disease for everybody else, but like there seems <laughs> to be one way of performing Heart disease, which is that sort of like, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just, like, but like that sort of gasping sort of, you know, you make the makeup on the face very sort of ashen and white, and there's the halting. Two minutes way before in which you fall speak. into a nap. Yeah. But there was just a lot of like sad baths for Rosario Dawson's character in this movie. <laughs> Did you know, by the way, the one scene where she's taken her sad bath and the song is playing? Do you know that's Bird York, famous for. The, the song from crash oscar nominated for the song oh, yeah. in the deep from crash that and of
1: course stupid ass song from that stupid ass movie and
0: of course i know her because she's uh she's a frequent guest star or was a frequent guest star on the west wing can we also talk Wait. about one of my little like pet peeves about this movie so
1: <laughs> sure i mean, I mean like oh. it's not just limited to one but it, it could also just be anything like you're about to throw quite literally anything at well, because I just sort of like this movie is that bad.
0: I glanced at my notes, so almost with everybody else in this movie who he's helping, he's like donating internal organs, and it's all very like macabre, right. but like the one person who he doesn't help with an organ, he gives away his he gives away money and his the deed to his beach house to this woman who is being abused by her husband and she's got two kids and again he's very moralistic to her. He's very much like when he's like berating her in the car about like don't be weak, yeah. don't be weak. And it's just like can you fucking like give this yeah. woman a
1: break for half a second? Um she's obviously going through some shit as you well know. But she's
0: afraid I... that her husband is going to find her and he's like he's not going to find you and he gives her this envelope with like money and a deed to the house and the directions to the house. So she goes with the kids to the house and it's this like I don't know if it's in Malibu or, like, wherever. Like, some beautiful cliffside beach. It's not cliffside because it's right on the beach. But, like, it's isolated in a way that beach houses are. And I'm like, this is the worst possible house to give to somebody who's afraid that her abusive ex-husband is going to find her. How many movies have we seen where an abusive husband or like somebody tracks you down at a beach house and you can't go anywhere that's for help like, uh, yeah. because you're completely isolated you've got the ocean on one side of you and he's close 20 to minutes from the away other.
1: from a like police office right
0: like scream all you want no one will hear you like good god that's a terrible my decision my pet
1: peeve if we're talking about like nitpicky pet peeves, like he's been an asshole the whole movie, right? But then we see the photo of like the first person he helped that he gave like a kidney to, or like half of his liver, some shit like it that. It was his love, and like right? we see a picture, uh, we see a picture of him like with that woman, and he's like just all happy, sunshiny roses. Like the only time that we see him happy, oh, and the social like, worker. So wait, yeah, yeah. So it's like, wait, you became an asshole after yeah. you started get like, yes. That was the thing. I was like, why is he so happy in this picture? He just, like, was cut open. And then at the
0: end, he, like, plays it off as, like, well, I have to be this way in order to know that, like, you're worthy. Again, it's, like, it's my season one The Good Place problem. Do you watch The Good Place? I do not. It's a fantastic show. But as much as I loved the first season of it, the first season there was this, like, nagging thing in the back of my mind of, like, there's so much humor being had about the unworthiness of people and how many things like make somebody not worthy of being in essentially heaven, whatever like this shows like version of heaven is. And the twist at the end of the first season sort of negates that in a way that like really made me able to appreciate the rest of the series to date without too many problems. But I remember that being like a nagging problem of just like moralization to this degree is not entertaining. It really, really isn't fun to watch people sort of like judge other people's lives and choices to this degree
1: we should also mention, because this is one of the nagging things for me, this was a Christmas release. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, people didn't know the full plot of it. Like, Christmas time. Notoriously the time of the film year where whole families go to the movies together. Can you imagine sitting down to this movie, like, semi-blind as we all were, with the entire family at Christmas time? And you know what?
0: Like, it made some money. It opened number two uh, on its weekend. It was only second to Yes Man,
1: which also was... carry yeah. another, like, under nominated comedic actor sure
0: Uh, made almost 70 million dollars domestic and I think almost like 200 million dollars worldwide it's not like a giant blockbuster but it didn't tank I think where it did tank when we talk about why so let's talk about why it didn't get nominated beyond the fact that like everything that we've said about it but like the reviews were really bad the reviews you know and the, the vehemence of I think the people who didn't like this movie really sank it off the bat. And 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't even think that communicates the whole story of it. Um, That basically sort of nipped it in the bud, I would say. Yeah. You know, or yeah. interestingly, do you know who ended up giving this positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? So this was the era of... Remember after Ebert and Roper stopped doing the Working show together? Yeah. And At the Movies became... Ben Mankiewicz and Ben Lyons, that sort of like one maligned year. <sighs> right. <sighs> so, this was during that era, and they both liked it. They were both kind of like middling, like middling liked it, but like they both have fresh tomatoes here on the tomato yeah. eater about this, which like says a lot, I feel like, yeah. about why people really hated the Ben and Ben era of, uh, at the movies, but. Yeah, a lot of other critics really, really just sort of hated it, and...
1: 26% I, is shockingly high, be, because Collateral Beauty has less than that.
0: Oh, yeah. But I also feel like if you're watching this movie, and if you're feeling in even a little bit dissatisfied with it, feel like it's mawkish, feel like it's slow-moving, feel like it's anything, and then it hits you with that twist at the end, it's going to piss you off so bad. Like, oh, you're yeah. already not, like, giving this movie the benefit of the doubt because it's already sort of tried your patience. um, And it just, like, it comes across as total bullshit by the end.
1: I also remember there being, like, I think the spoilers for this movie hit pretty, like, hot and heavy as soon as people saw the movie. But in a very specific way. In a very specific way. Yes, because I remember there being this conversation around it where people felt like they were being duped into watching a movie that condoned suicide, I mean, and there was like a religious aspect that people were pissed off about this movie. They're not wrong, like you are being essentially tricked into a pro suicide movie, yeah, um, but I also feel like, like the... you can have certain feelings about that, but religious people specifically, I remember not being happy about this movie. there was also
0: you like you're right in to a degree about the fact that the spoilers sort of broke free pretty early, but it wasn't that like everybody was saying, Oh my god, you gotta see this fucking jellyfish, man or like, <laughs> oh my god, he's like cutting out his kidneys or whatever. But it's what it, it was was I'm not gonna tell you what happens at the end of seven pounds, but it's fucked up. I'm not gonna say what happens at the end of seven pounds, but it's crazy. Like, it's one of those things where it's like you're not giving it away, but you're also kind of giving it away because now I know that I'm gonna spend this entire movie it, trying to anticipate what the twist is. And I think yeah. a lot of movies have been given away to me, not by telling me the twist, but telling me that there is a twist. Because then all of a sudden, my brain's going to sort of work over time to figure out. That's how I figured out The Sixth Sense, was nobody said uh, Bruce Willis is dead. But they said, oh my God, you're never going to believe a the twist at the end of The Sixth Sense. And so yeah. at some point, something twinges in my brain and I'm like, wait a second, and then I sort of, I I become uh the last scenes of the usual suspects where I go back through the rest of the movie and I'm just like, wait a second, and that didn't happen. Yeah. And, yeah. So
1: uh do we want to talk about the miscellaneous awards that it did win? It did win a few. A few tiny ones or a few like ones that we haven't discussed yet at least. Yeah. Um I think What do we have? Specifically, I mean, so it was up for
0: BET Awards, although I will say BET Awards, Will Smith wins Best Actor for this and Hancock, which is an odd little double feature for sure. Um, Rosario Dawson nominated for this and Eagle Eye. So it felt like it was just sort of, it was there along for the ride with their other popular movies that um, Will Smith and Rosario Dawson did. Um, But also, Will Smith and Rosario Dawson both won NAACP Image Awards that year for this movie, and seemingly just for this movie, which... So, Will Smith wins for seven pounds. He beats out Derek Luke for Miracle at St. Anna, Jeffrey Wright for Cadillac Records, Rob Brown, who was the lead in The Express, that movie about... Oh, yeah, the football movie. The football movie, right, about Jim Brown. No, Ernie Davis, sorry, not Jim Brown. And then Don Cheadle for a movie called Traitor that I. Oh, yeah, that's a mammoth movie.
1: Oh, is that true? I'm pretty sure that's mammoth. That's interesting. I'm going to look that up now.
0: I don't think it is. He's done a mammoth movie. He's definitely done a mammoth movie, but I don't think that's the one. But anyway, it's this sort of like crime drama called Traitor. It is not a mammoth movie. Never mind. That's fine. Will Smith wins that one. It's sort of interesting to remember that, like, Miracle at St. Anna was that year, and it really just, like, went nowhere. We could talk about that movie at some point. Um, Cadillac Records is a good movie that more people should see, and I always feel yeah, like Jeffrey people should go back out. so
1: good in it. Yeah. So then, Beyonce's even really good in it, too, and I feel like that's something that, that's a performance people kind of roll their eyes at, because it's Beyonce playing out of James, and... Yeah. Yeah, I remember finding a lot to like about it. So
0: also winner at NAACP Image Awards was Rosario Dawson for 7 Pounds. She beats out... All right, here's where it gets interesting. Alfre Woodard in The Family That Preys, which I have not seen, but I know our friend Nick Davis really liked it. So Mm -hmm. that's a heck of a recommendation. Angela Bassett for Meet the Browns, which was another Tyler Perry movie. Mm -hmm. So Tyler Perry coming up big at the NAACP Image Awards that year. Queen Latifah in The Secret Life of Bees and... Kind of curious, Dakota Fanning in The Secret Life of Bees, which I'm pretty sure was her only Image Award nomination ever, let's say. Pretty sure about that.
1: I, I I would be willing to bet that unless she was nominated for, like, Man on Fire.
0: Yeah. Which, again, like, sad and terrible commentary on the opportunity for roles for black women in the movies that Dakota Fanning has to be... Dakota motherfucking Award. Fanning. Like, Sad, sad, sad. Sad. Anyway.
1: But hey, they awarded Rosario Dawson, and for that we salute Yeah,
0: fucking Oscars have never done that, so good for y'all. Y'all have good taste. Exactly. Anything before we play the IMDb game?
1: As someone who has seen a lot of Danish cinema, (laughs) I have to say Seven Pounds is the most fucking morose thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That's the button I'm going to put on this.
0: That is going on the the poster of the Criterion (laughs) re-release of Seven (laughs) Pounds.
1: God. The I... criterion case or the criterion like poster for seven pounds is just like coming from the upper right corner, <laughs> just the tendrils of the jellyfish. No, not even the body of the jellyfish. The
0: criterion cover for seven pounds is the operation game man. Uh with the little <sighs> yeah. like spaces for his organs like pulled out.
1: Like the space for his heart is a jellyfish. Yes.
0: Oh my god. Alright. Um IMDB game we play every week. We go into the IMDb listing for a given actor, we see the four movies that are listed as they're most known for, and we each try and guess what those movies are. I pick one for Chris, Chris picks one for me. If we see that there is any television or voiceover work, we make sure that the other one knows about it. After two incorrect guesses, uh, the hint comes in the form of the years of the movies you haven't guessed, and after subsequent incorrect guesses, we just become a parade of him free for
1: all yes a free for all
0: so chris do you want to give to me first and then i will give to you
1: yes okay so this person nominated the year of seven pounds in best actor one of the like cases that people were beating the drum for this person all year long and we are now happily having him in the oscar fold is richard jenkins nominated for the visitor I knew you were going to do this to me.
0: So once again, Chris chooses a character actor who has been in no fewer than 200,000 movies (laughs) over the course of his career. All of them fairly equal in terms of screen time and popularity. Um, All right. Richard Jenkins. Shape of Water.
1: Yes, the Shape of Water. Last year's Best Picture winner. All right. Also featured on the IMDb game I chose for you for Michael Shannon.
0: Huh, that's interesting. Um, Ricky Jenks. Richard Jenkins. Godzilla? No. He's in that, though, right? One wrong. Yes, he is. Okay. Stepbrothers.
1: Yes! Ooh, okay. thought I might have to give you clues on that one.
0: All right. Two more. Richard Jenkins. I'm assuming it's not The Visitor, because you mentioned The Visitor ahead of time. I'm just going to not what that. Which we have that. done
1: in the past. You're assuming that it's not The Visitor? I
0: know, I know. Um, God, all I can Keep in mind, of... I
1: am a very competitive person, so I would not oh. take that to be leading.
0: Shit, what's the... Um... Oh my God, what's the title of the David O. Russell movie that he's in? Flirting with Disaster. No. All right. So that's two
1: hints. wrong answers. Before we move on and I give you years, you're still assuming it's not The Visitor?
0: Well, give me years and tell me.
1: 2007 or what says 2007 and also 2010.
0: Okay. Is it the visitor?
1: It's the visitor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So where did
0: it play in 2007? I wonder, I'm
1: pretty sure it played TIFF.
0: Oh, wow. It was a year ahead TIFF movie.
1: Um, I mean, we could look that up. Um, and what's I the know other year? IMDb is pretty famous for doing whenever movies debut. Right. Um, it was definitely a 2008 release. The other one is 2010. So post his first Oscar nomination, between right. that and his second for The Shape of Water. This right. is a... Uh, I feel like the hints that I could give you are just going to give it away. But um, 2010, a somewhat maligned remake that I have defended probably on this podcast... Um, he is today. featured only in about the first half hour of the movie before he dies. Ooh, action? No, horror. Horror?
0: 2010. Let Me In?
1: Yep. Really? See, like, you can't even give hints from that Pure guess. without giving it away. Yep. Wow, okay. Once again, I defend that movie. I think it's better than the I've
0: never seen The Nordic it. one. All right. Um I know there there were defenders of that movie. I don't think you're fully alone on that. All I right.
1: approached that material through reading the book first, and I feel like it is closer to the book and what I experienced with that story, um at least tonally. I um, don't think I yeah, ever I knew it was a this book. One more.
0: That's yeah. interesting. All right. So yours, uh, I mentioned earlier that 7 Pounds opened number 2 at the box office in December of 2008, to second place to Yes Man, which was the Jim Carrey movie that was essentially liar, liar. Like, basically, just yeah. like, and he had to say yes to everything, possibly also because he was hypnotized. Though he, this is the one where he was hypnotized by Tony Robbins, right? Yeah,
1: it's essentially liar, liar, just with yes instead of not being Jesus. able to lie. Like, he has to confirm everything that is... Every opportunity that comes his way, basically. All right. Wonderful. Wild. Um, Female
0: lead in that, well, I guess, like, whatever passes for a female lead in that, I'm sure she was just, like, long-suffering girlfriend. Zoe Deschanel. Yes. Nobody remembers that. One of these four is television. Other than that, it's all movies. Okay, so television is New Girl. Yep. The only thing she's done since, like... With very few exceptions, she's not done movies since she started New Girl in yeah 2011, and it's, it's been small roles. Super mostly. bummer. Yeah, Rock the Casbah is basically Oof. her only movie since then. Like that is a bummer. Come back to us, Zoe Deschanel. I love you.
1: Yeah. Okay. All so right. I have one already. New Girl, television. Yes. Um, Five Hundred Days of Summer.
0: Correct.
1: Almost Famous.
0: No. Wow, okay. I know, Um, she's so good. I just watched that movie again the other day after uh, the news about the Broadway adaptation came across. I was inspired to watch it again.
1: I love that movie (laughs) so, so much. Uh, Okay, so I only have one wrong. Um, I'm going to say... It's not going to be Yes, man. What else is she? I'm just going to give that to one to you for free. It's not Yes, Man. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I wouldn't. Were
0: it, it Yes, Man, I would have not given the connection to it until you
1: had guessed it. What other bad comedies was she in? Oh, um, uh, not a bad comedy. Good movie, but, like, bros like it. And I feel like I give a lot of the IMDb weight to the bros. Um, I like this movie, too. Um, Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Nope okay, never mind. <laughs> Just throw all of my theories out the window. Um,
0: it was very well argued. I was very much with you with that, but yeah, no. Uh,
1: love that movie. Um, Wait,
0: so, two wrong two. answers. Okay. So I will give you years. The years for these two movies are 2005 and 2008.
1: Whoa. So those are both 500, pre-500 Days of Summer.
0: Correct. That was 2009.
1: Whoa. Um... She is. Maybe both. I just erroneously remember 500 Days of Summer as being her breakout. Um,
0: it was in a way, but she had been in, like, she had been, been building up to it. She's sure. been around. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, um, no. I just remember the year. Elf is earlier than those because you said 2005, 2008. Yep. I would have said Elf had I thought of that in advance. Um That would have been a good guess. I'm surprised it's not Elf. Yeah. Um. uh, uh, Both. What? Both. What's that M Night Shyamalan movie? I hate. Um. The happening.
0: The happening. Yes. The
1: Crappening.
0: It's so bad. The trees are out to get you.
1: Betty Buckley too. Betty Um,
0: Buckley too. Man, I will say this. For as much as like we can give M Night Shyamalan shit for doing weird ass stuff, he has been a friend to Betty Buckley fans the world over.
1: Yes, he has even putting her in like one of the worst movies I've ever paid to see, Money in a Theater, which the is happening. Happening,
0: yeah. Except, yeah. but he also made her like the de facto lead in Split. So like,
1: yeah, but Split's bad.
0: Yeah, but she's very, very good at it. Saying stupid things. Yes. Okay,
1: I still have a Zoe Deschanel movie to guess. Yes. Um, okay. Two thousand five. So this would have been after Elf. Yes. Um. Adaptation of a book. Is it one of the dramas she did? Can I ask that?
0: Mm, not really. It's it's more genre than that.
1: I define the genre. Can I ask the genre?
0: Well, yeah, but that kind of gives it away. Oh, okay. Okay, fine.
1: Um, I'll give you a little bit before
0: I give you the genre. Um, okay. She is, once again, like, the love interest. Like, this was during her era where she was very Manic Pixie for a lot of things, and she's sort of... And they all blew
1: together. Yeah.
0: Um. All right, the genre is sci-fi. Okay based on a book a very sort of beloved and oft-adapted book sort of oft-referenced book i will say
1: is i don't remember her in a science fiction movie genuinely
0: this movie doesn't really get remembered a whole lot but like i remember being like there was a lot of anticipation for it at the time um there's a Radiohead album that's named after something from this. Um, there's a. Or at is least she was a website for translating things that was. Is she named in after
1: Hitchhiker's this. Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: She's the girl. She's like the girl he likes.
1: That is a weird choice for her. Well, it's it the name of the game.
0: But again. She doesn't really. She has fewer movies to choose from than you th- expect. She does. Like, yeah, I agree that Elf should probably be on there. But like beyond that, it's like, you know, I feel like this is the type of thing all the that real like- girls and. By Stuff the time
1: like that. that our episode airs, it will change to have Elf on there as it gets closer to the Christmas season and people look up that movie. That's very um, possibly true.
0: And also just to, like, fuck with us and spite us. like Yeah, so
1: people are like, you're yeah, wrong, you made it up. No. It what was cheated. the last
0: one that changed on us before we put an episode up?
1: Uh, was it whoever we had on our Hyde Park episode? There was one that changed in the time, so just listeners rely on the fact that the game is fun and uh, that it yes. changes <laughs> <laughs> that it has integrity while
0: we're playing it don't worry
1: play along with us as you can <laughs> yes well good job chris good job
0: getting that so good that job, is our episode if you want more this head oscar buzz you can check out the tumblr at this had oscar You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Chris, where can the listeners find you and your stuff?
1: You can definitely find me on Twitter. I'm at Chris V file. Um, That's F E I L. I also write regularly at the film experience, talking about soundtracks, Oscar season, and other movie related things.
0: I am also on Twitter at Joe Reed. that is spelled R E I D. And you can find me each and every day at decider.com talking TV and movies and everything that is on streaming. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. Five Star Review in particular really helps us out with iTunes visibility so we float to the top of the charts like the deadly jellyfish that we are. Let us get our
1: stingers around the arms (laughs) of other listeners.
0: Let us stretch this metaphor well past the point of relevance. Um, That is all for this week, but we hope you will be back next week for more buzz and stings and jellyfish. Bye-bye.